Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Rashmore Comedy Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 The FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into here on a Tuesday. Let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports guest hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona, Brandon Deutsch. It is the Baller Sports Dialogue crew. Um, Brandon, let me just start with you before I uh, talk to Grant about his Rams. Um, listen, San Francisco's played the uh, top two teams in the, the NFC, and not only have they won, they really wiped the floor with both of them. And um, you, you, you got to be feeling good, my friend. I mean, I, I think if San Francisco's healthy, they, they, I, it's going to be hard to beat this team come postseason time, right? Yeah, this is the culmination. Cumul- culmination. <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. Um, of years of Kyle Shanahan kind of improving as a coach um, and just luck. I think it's about luck. If they, if they stay healthy, they should win the Super Bowl. But, you know, they haven't in years past. We saw it last year. But this team is way better than last year's team, if that's possible. I mean, they are just bum-rushing um, other Super Bowl favorites. Uh, and they show up for big games. You know, something that I'm not – I don't know what happened there – but something that uh, we're not accustomed to seeing a lot of teams do really beat down the Cowboys. And by the way, Arash, the Cowboys have looked like the we'll second see. best team in the NFL <laughs> behind the 49. No, they're legit. I yeah. think they go in and beat Philadelphia next week at home. They've been great at home. They haven't lost at home. in like, I think, was it 14 games? Some something of, like yeah. that. Yeah. So those are the two best teams and the Niners beat them 42 to 10. I would rank the Eagles third lions fourth. Um, but right now, the line, I mean, the Niners, they, they really need the Cowboys to win next week, and they'd have the one seed if they can win out. It's tough. The Niners still have the Ravens. They have a few games that are tough. Seattle's always going to be tough. I don't care what anybody says. That line is huge, 10 to 12, I think, next week. But the San Francisco 49ers are in a good good position to hopefully get that sixth uh, ring this year. Uh, Grant, so uh, we uh, talked about it going into the game on Sunday. The Rams needed to win to put themselves in the playoff conversation. Now, not only did they did that, they won impressively against the Cleveland Browns. Now they're six and six, and now they're in in the playoff hunt. They're in the playoff picture. Uh, you've touched on this before how that comeback win against Seattle may have been the turning point in the season. And when you said that at the time, I said, I, I don't know if I see that. They've won for three in a row. They have not done that since the year that they won the Super Bowl. What do you see with this team, and can they go on a run here? Arash, they're healthy, and yeah. when they're healthy, they can compete with anybody. I've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks. They took the Niners. They were leading the Niners at the half at home, and I know it was way early in week two, but they were doing that. They were playing well against the Eagles, and then you know, obviously the Eagles came away with a victory there. 
they've competed with almost everybody that they shouldn't have competed with and they've underperformed as well which is why they're only at six and six but when this team is healthy that offensive line is healthy when Matthew Stafford's upright when Kyron Williams is in that lineup I mean they're they are a scary team and I don't know I don't care about their record going down the stretch every week it's going to be a tough game for their opponent and Matthew Stafford threw for 279 yards he had three touchdown passes um he looked really good he didn't get sacked once Arash and for a team that had an offensive line that I can't even remember the names of them from last year uh (laughs) that is a huge testament to how how gritty this team is um how important Sean McVay's coaching has been I got to give my flowers to Raheem Morris have been very very uh hard on him over the past year and a half or so um He's done an, a fantastic job with that defense. You know, guys that you, if I name them, you probably would have said, who is this guy? Who is that guy? They've held their opponents to under 21 points in four straight games. And I know that the competition has been a little bit down. They played the Cardinals, but they held the Seahawks to under 21 points. Um, they held this Browns team that with Joe Flacco looked a little bit decent, actually. Um, and they threw all over a passing defense for the Browns that is really, really good. Number one in the league, actually. So, for this Rams team, they play the Ravens. It's not going to be easy. They're the, one of the best teams in the AFC. This schedule is not as easy as people think, but with this Rams team clicking right now, and this is the first three-game winning streak, Arash, that the Rams have had since their Super Bowl, Super Bowl run. So that is something, I mean, I know it's only been a couple years, but that's something that you can put your, you know, hang your hat on and say, okay, well, you know, they have a, a running back now that's comparable in stats to Todd Gurley, Arash. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. Brandon, you know that too. Kyron Williams has been a fantasy gem. This team is is clicking on all cylinders and they're healthy at the right time going down the stretch. So they are six and six. They're on the outside looking in. They're the eighth seed. But there's a lot of optimism now with the Rams, something I haven't seen in a few years. Also, I wanted to add on that because the Rams have been playing great football. They only lost to the Niners by about seven or eight. I remember that whole, you know, covering the spread thing with the field goal. McVay, right. You know, people were, right. people were calling for that. Um, but, you know, when, when Kyron plays, look at the difference in, in those games and the result of those games. Yeah. Um, Kyron Williams is, is a bonafide star at running back. I mean, they got a steal. Say what you want about, oh, Akers, it didn't work. Well, they got Kyron Williams. The same thing with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy for the Niners, right? You could say, oh, well, they whiffed on Trey Lance and gave it. Well, they got Brock Purdy in the seventh round, so it all worked out, right? I guess it's the same thing with the Rams, with with Akers, with their running backs of the past, Henderson, who were respectively great on their Super Bowl run, but Kyron is much better. He's their best running back since Gurley. I know that it's only been a few years since Gurley, but still... Um, definitely their best. He has the highest, uh, you know, uh, target share, even higher than Christian McCaffrey, any running back in the NFL. So they look for him. He's very versatile. Uh, his blocking's getting better. Puka Nakua looks great. It's getting to the point of rush. I know they have cap room, but I mentioned this to Grant. You don't really need Cooper Cup. You can trade him in the offseason. Now, I know a lot of Rams fans may be opposed to that because of what he did, you know, Super Bowl MVP. Whatever, he's excellent, you know, got you guys a ring, got the Rams a ring, basically almost by himself in that postseason with Odell Beckham Jr. and Stafford. They were just two-man team right there, three-man team. But you can look at Puka as the cup clone, 2-2 coming in, get another rookie, move off of all that cap, give him the cup, and you could have the most cap in the league by far um, going into the offseason. So. Switching gears, we've talked a lot about this. The end season tournament, we're, we're, we're kind of finally getting to this culmination. Big game tonight, Tuesday night in Los Angeles. The Lakers playing the Suns for a spot in the semifinals. Uh, I was talking to a ticket broker here in Vegas, and they're praying, praying that the Lakers are in it because, quite frankly, 
you know, Vegas is a big sports town and they love their sports, but they love their Lakers. They love their Los Angeles teams. Uh, it's going to be a tough sell if it's not the Lakers. But, but anyways, regardless of the uh, tickets, your thoughts on the Lakers here? And are you at, are you now getting kind of pumped up now? We're at the semifinals. By the way, there's some brackets. Brandon, if the Lakers are playing the Celtics, regardless, I'm pumped up. But if there's something on the line, if there's a, if there's a trophy to be won, that's pretty cool. Your thoughts uh, Tuesday night, Lakers-Suns. I can't wait for that game. I think the Lakers, this is going to be their statement win. They've been waiting for a statement win for a while. There's been asterisks on really almost all of their wins besides the Cavaliers and maybe another one. But everyone's like, oh, Booker, you know, wasn't healthy for that last Suns winner. Beal wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. Durant was Durant was playing. Kevin Durant was is playing. Um, you know, Nurkic was playing. They looked really good, and the Lakers came back and won, and that kind of changed their season. A lot of people forget it could have been down uh, a similar road to last season if they didn't get that win in Phoenix, that in-season tournament qualifier game. But that's what they get for going undefeated, right? They get the last seed who happens to be a, now a full-fledged Suns team that have, has won like seven out of the last eight games or whatever. Um, I still think the Lakers win. I think LeBron gets up for those games. He's been coasting the past four, kind of preparing his body for this game. You know, Davis has really led uh, the the Lakers. He's been excellent the past few games. This is a LeBron James game. He's going to want to win this yeah. game. I think he does. I think the Lakers get it done. I think it's by three points in a late surge. Um, I really like the way their defense is playing. Vanderbilt's back. You can put him on Booker. You can put him on Durant, see what happens. And, you know, I think the Lakers are um, starting to kind of hit their stride and it can start here. Great. Yeah, I think, I, I, but, but, yeah. By the way, really quick, Grant. Um, Clippers, I, I, I know that this was like the in-season tournament. So to talk about the in-season tournament, but also talk about the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets, uh, that game. I think that game's on Wednesday, right? It's kind of like yeah. you didn't know who, who you were going to play, but it's like they, they, they did this in the schedule where the teams that did not advance get to play a game and you, you guys got the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, so uh, of course, in typical Clipper fashion, Arash, the the Clippers, <laughs> they don't make the in-season tournament. So who do they have to play? Well, they have to play the Denver Nuggets now at full strength, not Reggie Jackson <laughs> and DeAndre Jordan just murdering them. Not just that, but they have to play the Utah Jazz as well, who have had their number and was one of the main reasons why they probably traded for James Harden. So they have to play the two teams that kind of <laughs> gave them fits already. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the Lakers... Uh, I expect them to win. I think that they just get up for these types of events. I wouldn't even call it like a turn. They, every event, players are going to get up, you know, yeah. whether it's the all-star game, whether it's this in-season tournament. Whenever there's something on the line or, or, or a title to be won, I think players are starting to get up for these games, especially the Lakers. I mean, they look like a different team when they play in this in-season tournament. And, you know, like Brandon said, there's a lot of questions about them. You know, oh, did you play enough competition? You know, were the Suns full at full health? Now the Lakers are at full health, and that's yeah. a big thing for them. I was waiting for Jared Vanderbilt to come back. And now they're going to have Rui Hachimura back after that that nasal fracture. He's going to be masked Rui. They call him the, the masked samurai now, I guess. Yes, and uh, so I, I'm I'm just excited to see the Lakers at full health. Not extremely full health because they're still missing Gabe Vincent, but at full health playing a Suns team. This is this is great for the league. Um, just having this tournament, having high stakes games, you know, this early in the season is really great. And like you said, Arash, for ticket sales. I will definitely be tuning in if the Lakers are in Vegas in any capacity. I mean, the Lakers and Celtics in Vegas, imagine that in the final. Yeah, that would, I mean, it would be sold out, first of all. Exactly. Let's get that straight. And second of all, the media viewership would be out of 
I, I mean, for for a November December games like like we have right now, for a game to be sold out and have the media viewership like we're going to have if that happens, even if the Lakers play the lowest seed remaining, it's still going to be high viewership. So I'm all in on the Lakers for this in season tournament. I think they have you know a vendetta out to to win that first NBA Cup. I know LeBron <laughs> wants that on his resume as well. So yeah, I, I'm pulling for the Lakers um, to beat the Suns, and I think they they can get to the final. That would be a ton of fun. Again, if it's Lakers Celtics or just something, whenever those two teams play. And again, you're going to get the conspiracy theorists. I'm sure if that's the final, but who cares? It'll be fun to watch. I want to get speaking of conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. Brandon, uh, you did a great job on the social. So I wanted to get both of your thoughts on this college football playoff. And let me start with this. I do think that the committee picked the best four teams full stop. That being said, they really opened up the Pandora's box. And I'm generally the type that does not like conflict. And if you had picked Florida State, there's a lot less conflict. Why? Listen, if you want to get into the game, Alabama, you go undefeated. Texas, if you want to get into the game, you go undefeated. So if you left out a one-loss team, they they can complain. But, they, but it's so hard when you leave out a Power 5 Florida State team that went undefeated. You think they got it right, Brandon? Why? Yeah, there's a multitude of factors here. First off, the committee has not been doing their job for nine years, and they finally did it the 10th year, putting in the four best teams instead of the most deserving, which they were doing the previous nine. There is criteria in the selection committee in that if there's a player or head coach that is unavailable for future contests, they will take that into consideration. And it's no, it's no disrespect to Florida State but Jordan Travis was a Heisman candidate. He is a great quarterback. He's an NFL quarterback. And they are a completely different team without him. If he had stayed healthy, they would be the two or three seed right now in, in the college football playoff. And there would be no SEC team in the final. They would have had Texas as the fourth team because he really couldn't justify putting Bama ahead of Texas when Texas beat Alabama, right? But that, it just didn't happen. They looked, they were terrible. They were awful to watch in the ACC championship game. By the way, their best win was against a three-loss LSU team that Alabama also beat by 24 points. And I know you can justify this by saying, well, Alabama had to have that fourth and 31 play against Auburn. Those, I take the rivalry games always out of, uh, you know, consideration because Washington, Washington State was super close too. And Washington State had struggled. Auburn and Alabama were always going to be close. Great coaching job for Nick Saban, but you win the SEC, you go in and beat a team that had won 29 straight games. I think they deserved to be in. And, it pay, you know, I've always been an anti-SEC, anti-Alabama. Like, the committee's always going to try and put them in. But they made the right decision. And you couldn't just not put Texas in because Texas beat Alabama. Yep. So I think they got the four best teams in there, which was their job, the entire selection process over this 10 years they finally got it right on the 10th time for the four spot but remember the acc was not good this year i can't name a team that i can think beating a power another power five school in a big bowl game i, I think they'll all get smacked so that's another thing you have to take into consideration but it won't be a problem next year now they'll have iowa and uh penn state battling it out or Ole miss and penn state for the 13 14 they'll get all mad next season but they made the right decision or off and Grant, before you go, I mean, you're a guy who likes to go out to games live just like me. Uh, you may not get a hotter Rose Bowl ticket than Michigan and Alabama in the college football playoff. I mean, that is going to be one to get for sure. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, like I'm going to reiterate what Brandon said, I think they made the right decision. Um, and But here's the thing I think that nobody's really looking at is that every year we kind of have this discussion ever since this happened. You know, oh, this team should have got in because they beat this team. Oh, this team was undefeated, but they played this team. Oh, the strength of schedule here. I think what we're just trending towards is just adding more teams to the playoff. And I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like eventually you're going to have to add more teams because – with the talent level rising and with the NIL and with everybody getting these top end talent players and these schools just recruiting out the wazoo, you are going to have more teams battling for that first four. And yes, it does make it a little bit more competitive, but then you're going to have teams like a Florida state left off. And that's just what it is. It's to, it, you're going to have one team each year. That's going to be left off. And this year just yeah. happened to be Florida state. And I agree with it because like Brandon said, the ACC just wasn't as good. And if you have a team like Bama that just beat the number one team in the nation and you win the sec, they're going to be in there. And Texas is going to be in there because they beat that team that just beat the team that was number one in Georgia. So there, there's a layer to it, but I feel like we're going to have this discussion next year. I guarantee you next year we're going to have, oh, well, you know, this team didn't get in because they they beat you. There's just layers to it, and I feel like we're trending towards adding more because you know each year people are going to say, oh, well, this team you know had this and this and that. You're going to have to have eight teams in there and have like a bracket style kind of college football playoff. That's just what it's going to have to be trending towards. Guys, I, I, I want to also get your thoughts on USC when uh, in the second segment, by the way, uh, Lincoln Riley spoke to the media and I wanted to play that for uh, the folks out there just to, so they, they, they can hear from Lincoln Riley on their new defensive coordinator, but also go to the Holiday Bowl and also making the announcement that Caleb Williams will not play in the game. He didn't want to make the announcement that he's going pro, but you could uh, read into that what you will. Brandon, thoughts on all that, I guess, starting with the new defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think it was an excellent hire. It was a home run hire in a time they really needed it. I mean, Anthony Lynn's son, he's he's excellent when it comes to calling defense. I mean, UCLA was 99th and, or 78th or whatever, and then they became 11th in the country and, you know, points given up in total defense, uh, yards given up. Part of that was Latu's development, but again, that's on him too. Um, Latu is going to be a pro. Um, Lynn helped develop him. Uh, his scheme was excellent all year. Uh, say what you want about the ASU game. I mean, that was still, they only gave up 17 points. It was their offense that was the problem in the games they lost. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a home run hire, Ross. You're going to a, an, a conference where they need to play defense to win. Everybody knows that. Um, and I think he'll probably implement that. And they're going to get a ton of recruits. And I, I think this couldn't, couldn't have been a better hire for USC because you're always going to have the offense with Lincoln and whoever, whatever quarterback, whether it's Cam Ward, you know, Rogers from Ken, uh, uh, from KU or Kansas State, or uh, whether you stay with Miller Moss, Miller Moss or Malachi Nelson, they're going to put up points, right? Yeah. You got Zachariah Branch coming back. You got all these guys coming back. So defensively, it puts them in a much better position right away to get perhaps eight wins next year, despite not having Caleb Williams, even in the Big Ten. Yeah, by the way, yeah, is I, any I, a problem yeah. with Caleb not playing in the Holiday Bowl? Me and Steve Carb got into it last night because he thought it was, you know, a college football players like obligation. I said, Carp, as soon as they're out of the playoffs, no, it's not. Like, I'm like, it's not. No, Holiday that's a ludicrous Bowl, take, right? Grant, that's, a, that's a take. <laughs> that's a take from the 19. That's a take from the 1960s. Okay, I mean, why would he risk getting injured if he's going to be the I number one know. overall pick? Okay, the, the season's already over. No one cares about the Holiday Bowl. I hate to say it. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Grant. Yeah, I'm going to reiterate. I'm going to reiterate Brandon's thoughts is that this is just such a home run hire. Um, yeah. To pull him away from UCLA just makes it a little bit more sweeter, guys. But, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. um, yeah, you know, you can point to a few things like like Brandon said, Latu's development, who's the future Ram, by the way. Uh, but you can point <laughs> to that. But if you take a team that was 79th or way up there in rankings to 11th, that means something. And for yeah. a team like USC that's going to be losing Caleb Williams, you're going to have to piece together things in other ways. You can't just have Caleb, you know, bail you out all the time. So they're going to have to have a great defense, especially going up against the physicality of the Big Ten. You know, you can't just find, you know, do anything around the fine lines anymore. You have to have physicality. And for a defensive coordinator that can do stuff like that, and look, it's Anthony Lynn's son. That's that should, you know, speak for itself. Anthony Lynn's a great coordinator. Um, to get a great mind in there, a guy that's proven and taken a team that was bad to really good, that should speak volumes to what USC is trying to do here. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I love the hire. And to your point, Grant, not only was it the best hire that they could have made, it takes away the best coordinator that UCLA had. And there's something happened with UCLA, and we'll, we'll talk about that more as the week progresses. We'll probably have you guys both back. But, you know, a lot of the boosters did not want Chip Kelly to come back. And as soon as he did come back, his best coordinator, his defense coordinator, leaves his quarterback goes into the transfer portal. It's like something's happening there. I mean, there, there was a reason that there was a pl- plane flying over Westwood saying you got to fire Chip Kelly. He is coming back. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. But speaking of USC, when we come back, want to play for you the conversation that USC head football coach Lincoln Riley had with the me- had with the media. Again, they made a lot of noise, so I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted you guys to hear from Lincoln himself. So we'll play that conversation with you when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s of the California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets for an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310 310- 400-0340. All right. As I mentioned in the last segment, wanted to play with, wanted to play for you a conversation uh, that we, the media had with USC head football coach Lincoln Riley. A lot of news was uh, made by USC over the past couple of days. New defensive coordinator going to the Holiday Bowl. Caleb Williams will not play in the Holiday Bowl. Read into that what you may. We're hearing he's going to go pro. So wanted to hear uh, from the man himself, I, I, and I wanted you guys to hear from the man himself. So now, now let's uh, listen in 
to USC head football coach Lincoln Riley. Just to get started, why'd you ultimately choose Danton Lynn to be the next defensive coordinator? Yeah, Carter. Um, yeah, first, uh, you know, thrilled, thrilled with the hire. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a fun process to go through, uh, just to see the the amount of uh, attention around this position, the amount of interest. Uh, got, a, got a chance to visit with some because I know that school districts some, have a hard time funding. Oh, uh, got a chance to visit with some of the best defensive minds in the game, which was uh, which was a, which was a great experience, and a lot of people that were very interested um, in this. And so, yeah, it went. Uh, Went well, went smooth. It was a, uh, I think, certainly had an advantage in, in that having that that late bye week. That was there were some challenges with that, but that was also obviously one of the one of the advantages was it allowed us to get a, a head start. And and I think the key was like not not having to to feel rushed with it. And and this this culture. Oh, Lincoln, you cut out there for a bit stood out to me from from the first conversation that we had and uh just his his vision for uh you know obviously the job he'd done at ucla uh his vision for you know, what this could be here and and i think you're looking for people that, that are going to come in and 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 make us better and add to us day one by walking in the door which he checked that box but also people that have a have a shared vision of of usc uh you know what this program means what it what it can be, what it needs to continue to climb. And uh, we were just very, very in sync that way from the beginning. And uh, yeah, it was tough to ignore just his, you know, the, the pedigree is tough to ignore the NFL experience. And then you know, I've just had a perfect look at the job that he, that he did um, along with the other coaches and players there at UCLA this year. And the, the jump that they had defensively was 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 important and i think that a benefit of obviously this was somebody that that i had studied and you could really see the just the key differences um and yeah i just i think he's a, a rising star in this in this coaching profession and uh just every every conversation that we had i felt more and more like this was the guy that that we you know that we really wanted this would be the best possible outcome and so yeah obviously wanting that and getting that done sometimes are two different things but was obviously really happy that this matched up and and uh i you know i, I went into this thing with the goal of bringing the very best here and i feel like that we've done that and just fired up to to get started with it hey lincoln how much did seeing denton's defense and uh action and the way it was able to stop your offense playing to making him a desirable candidate yeah it definitely i mean i definitely Use kind of every little data point or experience, uh, you know, personal contact, any, anything that I'd had with, with any of the candidates. Uh, but yeah, I think certainly having an ability to see, you know, you know, defensively from two years ago to this year and some of the, you know, key changes and adjustments that, that he made was, was helpful. I mean, it was definitely impactful. It wasn't the, it certainly wasn't the, the sole reason. Um, uh, but I think it was just one of the advantages in the in the evaluation of him, and you know that was largely the the same group of guys. I mean, it was there was very few players on the on the field in our last game this year that that weren't on the field, you know, for our UCLA game the previous year. And so, yeah, you just you see that you see the impact, um, and you see the confidence of a guy that you know left the secondary job at the Baltimore Ravens to 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 come call it. Um, knows he, you know, knows he belongs. Uh, 
Yeah, they, they just obviously then you'd start diving into to coaching philosophies, to recruiting philosophies, uh, development of the kids. Uh, obviously, the, the evaluation piece, certainly when you factor in getting ready to go into a new conference and facing new opponents. And at every step of the way, it just continued to line up. Derek? Hey, Coach. Uh, Derek Togers and NBC in San Diego here. Um, wondering, uh, since the Holiday Bowl obviously being down here in San Diego for a long time has been a great recruiting grounds for USC. You go back to Reggie Bush and Junior Seau's of the world. Uh, can playing in this game help maybe uh, get even bigger footprint for USC? How does it help uh, having that kind of impact when you come down here and play with the, with the recruiting aspect for uh, a town as good as high school football as San Diego is? Yeah, absolutely it can. And I think it's important you know, for us and that we're getting to be able to play the game here in our home state. Uh, as you said, playing the game in, a, in an area that historically has meant very much to, to, to USC football. And so uh, we certainly can't let that opportunity pass us by. And um, I, I do have a lot of respect for the bowl. I, one of my earliest memories was uh, coming up here and uh, with a, with a Texas tech team and, and uh, actually beating Aaron Rodgers and, and uh, Cal and those guys uh, in a, in a great holiday bowl. And that was, uh, you know, to this day, all the different bowls and big games, all that, that I've been able to coach in. That's still, you know, one of my, one of my favorite memories, one of the best memories. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I think there's certainly a, a personal side of me that's excited that that was the choice. And, and I think we're, you know, to get playing in the home state, playing in an area that we have a ton of respect for as we continue to, to build this program. It's an opportunity that we need to, we need to recognize and we need to be ready to take advantage of. Hey Lincoln, how much philosophical and how many nuts and bolts practice changes do you anticipate having to make as you guys build up this defense? Uh, philosophical changes. There'll be, there'll be a lot. Um, this is a, this is a, very different system um, than uh, than what we were running previously. Uh, this is a a system as I you know started diving into it, um, not just necessarily with uh, with with Coach Lynn, but kind of with all these candidates. There's there was a few kind of non negotiables, at least on my part, a few things that were really really important, and and they matched up with with Coach Lynn, especially uh, especially with the defensive front, um, especially in terms of the evaluation um, and development of, of size on the defensive front and, and how we want to play there. Um, that, there were a few things that were really important to me and Coach Lynn's system certainly certainly fits that, not just fits that, it excels with that. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I think from a philosophical standpoint, we're going to strip it down to – and we're going to teach uh, – we're going to develop uh, in, in, a, in a different way to make sure that we fit exactly – what we want to be defensively and um and you know coach has a has a, a great thought process and a great plan for that and obviously parts of that will be happen on the practice field part of that's going to happen in the in the uh in the weight room and your development program and obviously pieces of that are gonna um are gonna have an impact on who you're recruiting your evaluation process and so um, those are all parts of the conversation leading up to it and it all match up uh, very well uh, from a practice standpoint, uh, we've we've had some pretty good talks about that. That's not that's not at the necessarily at the top of the list right now. Uh, but we've what what I've told what I told Coach Lynn is my mentality going into it is we're going to do everything uh, that we can in this program to accelerate the process of us playing great defense at USC and whatever it takes to get that done. Um, 
from a development standpoint, from a staffing standpoint, from the way that we practice, uh, everything here is going to be done with a um, with the defense in mind first. And uh, so, yeah, we've had some 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 good conversations about I think overall general practice structure, and I think are, are on the same page of where we're headed. And then certainly as we get closer to spring ball and we start to to dive into uh, you know what more of the specifics will be. Um, we're, we're, we're excited to work together to do it. And again, it's always uh, the edge here is always going to go to what's best for our defense. Hey, Lincoln. Um, just curious, what was their conversations with uh, Danton on, you know, changes around the, the defensive staff, around bringing in, you know, a, a staff to fit his kind of vision? And do you anticipate sort of significant changes uh, with the staff that you currently have, you know, guys like Dante, guys like Sean Nua, you know, what, what do you sense as far as the future of this current um, staff? I think some of that will, will play out. We, we've certainly, you know, had conversations about the staff, both, uh, you know, the current guys that we have, which I, I think highly of, of a lot of those guys and their skill sets. And then also, you know, what I think, what are the needs of, of, of this current staff with, with coach Lynn in charge defensively um, and, and, you know, what could that potentially look like? And I think there, there's one goal in mind here and that's kind of the kind of our North star right now. That's the thing that we're staying focused on is building the best defensive staff in America here. And I, for me, I'm not getting too caught up into, is it somebody that's here now? Is it somebody that's not here now? It's just to me, what is the best? And that answering that simple question. And as long as wherever the best is, where whether it's somebody here or somebody outside the program, that that's what we're going to do. Um, that's what we're going to build. And uh, yeah, that, that process is along with a lot of other things right now is is certainly ongoing and conversations and decisions that will be made uh, here in the upcoming future. But um, I don't have anything new to report other than that is our sole mission and that's what we're going to stay focused on. And that's what we're going to do. Hey Lincoln, with the portal opening today, what would you say is just the general approach to the transfer market for you guys this off season? And when it comes to quarterback, I know USC has already been sort of connected to several transfer QBs that are already out there. If the plan is to bring in another quarterback, what do you see or what does that mean for Malachi and Miller in this situation? Yeah, Ryan, I think general philosophy in the portal right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're certainly uh, going to be targeting a couple of positions in the portal. I think it's, I think it's going to continue to to taper down, and that has you know kind of been our goal you know from the beginning. I mean, even looking back to two years ago, as we as we started to map it out, I think I think goal one here was starting to establish uh, some culture and some winning ways, and then I think building a roster that that could be competitive uh, in the first couple of years and that could give yourself a chance to, to win and to win championships. And, and then, then there's a, then there's a bigger picture or uh, a picture that's more zoomed out, which is um, I think kind of starting to gradually work towards building the program in a more ideal sense. And, and that for us is getting to signing full high school classes um, developing the guys that we have in house, supplementing here and there uh, with portal guys, and then and then going on. And I think we'd certainly like to um, like to get more in that direction. And I think we will. We have trended there. We will continue to trend that way. And if we can keep bringing up uh, high school classes like this group of true freshmen that that we have right now on campus, uh, 
then it's uh it's it's going to be a really positive thing um specifically as quarterbacks I mean, we're looking at it i mean my my goal right now is always to have you know multiple guys in the room that you feel like are, are starter level guys that you feel like can really compete um i've been I've been super pleased with with uh, super pleased with Miller. You know, talked about him first. You know, just in his development. Um, you know, very very excited for you know the way that he's progressed, and uh, I think he's been really really strong um, here as a, as the backup the last two years, and I think has gained a, a lot of momentum. I think he's really improved as a player. I I uh, you know would like to have been able to play him a little bit more here in the last couple of years uh we've had but the opportunities that he has had he's he's played well and he's he's moved us well which is i think no surprise so um i fully i fully expect him to be in the mix you know no matter what happens um malachi's obviously a young guy you know he's got a he's got a world of talent he's working hard he's had uh, a few physical uh uh hurdles that he's had to overcome which has not been um and that's, it hasn't necessarily been maybe the smoothest of, of years and a lot of it out of his control, just trying to get back healthy where he can train and develop to the level that, that he wants to and we all want him to. And he's, he's certainly going to get there and certainly has a bright future um, and is, uh, has really battled for, battled for a lot of things. So we're eager to get him back completely healthy and back where he's developing on a, on a really fast track. And I don't think he's that far away from it, but um, that's still been a little bit of a process. And yeah, I mean, we're going to, we're going to look in the portal um, at some quarterbacks. Uh, we'll see, we'll see how that thing unfolds. I, I like the guys um, that we have in the room, um, but I also, you know, you always have a responsibility to the team to, to continue to look at, you know, potential you know people that could come in and, and make our room better make our team better and so um not ready to say that we would for sure do anything we're just we're going to take a look and evaluate and see how it all unfolds but um excited for those guys i'm, I'm so excited for their opportunity upcoming thanks ryan young hey lincoln uh, could you expound on the non-negotiables you had in talking with candidates? And you mentioned size of the defensive line. What needs to change in that regard? And are there one or two specifics that you know are going to be different with this scheme that, that you could share with us now? Yeah, I think that the size and style uh, that we play up front was, was I think, certainly number one for me. Um, I think that I, I'd really two two of them. I think size and style of the way we play up front uh, was was one, and that's that's philosophically, that's evaluation, that's development, that's scheme, that's that's everything. Um, and and then I think the second piece was really for me was you know I wanted a coach that had displayed and showed the ability to um, you know to really adapt well to the personnel um, that the, the coach you know that that schematically uh, was strong and schematically had the ability and wasn't so tied into one thing that, you know, there's kind of two trains of thought, right? You got your, you got your scheme and you just build everybody and you kind of force feed it to be what you want it to be, or you have your scheme and it's got the ability to, to adapt to that given skill sets in a, in a certain week or matchups in a certain week. And um, I know, somebody that had that that the creativity i think somebody that had the ability to to adapt their systems to you know what you may have because these rosters do change so much and the matchups do change so much every week and 
I think the more of a mindset of just getting the the best eleven on the field, you know, in any way, shape, or form, um, and and what does it take that that game and that moment for us to play the best defense possible? And that's, uh, yeah, th- those were those were the two in terms of on the field play. Those those were the things that were that were the most important to me. Um, you can. You can go win in, in any scheme in football that you dial up as long as you could match up what's being coached, what's being developed, the right people, the right players, right, all of that. Um, there's a lot of schemes that make sense, but who, who can adapt it? And that's where I thought Coach Land really stood out. Hey, Lincoln, kind of want to go off topic to yesterday. It feels like nearly everyone, including a bunch of coaches, have had a pretty passionate reaction one way or another to the final college football playoff rankings. Curious, what was your reaction to the committee leaving out Florida State for Alabama? I know the decision doesn't really affect you guys directly this year, but could set a precedent going forward for what really matters to get a playoff spot. So I'm curious what your reaction was. Yeah, you know, I haven't been in that position a number of times where you're sitting there on on Sunday morning after the championship game and and kind of wondering if you're going to get in or not. Um, I can, I know how those guys felt, you know, fortunately the majority of times that we were in the discussion um, in my career, we were, we were able to, to get one of those spots. I don't know that I've had the, 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 the pure heartbreak side of it that, that, you know, Florida state would have had yesterday. And yeah, you hate it for them. I mean, but that's, I, I think my reaction to it would be that's, that's why we're changing the playoff, you know, is exactly for situations like this where, you know, if you if you if you win all your games, you should be in the playoff. I mean, there's nothing more from a winning standpoint that you could do. And the hard thing is the the matchups, the non conference schedules, the conference schedules, who you play, all that is so different that it's a it's a really tough decision uh, for the committee. It's a really tough decision for you know how how do you value uh, some of these different teams and value you know wins versus quality wins and having one loss even though a quality loss like I, I just it's it's an impossible situation so now I, I I hate it for I, I didn't like it for the game because I, I do agree if you win all yours you should be in it um, now going forward uh, once we expand obviously that's you know probably not going to be an issue anymore which is one of the reasons we're doing it so probably uh a good reminder and reinforcement for all of us while we're making the changes we are. All right, that was uh, USC head football coach Lincoln Riley talking about the new defensive coordinator, Danton uh, Lynn, son of uh, former uh, Los Angeles Chargers coach Anthony Lynn, uh, did an amazing job with the uh, uh, UCLA defense. So kind of a, a one-two punch there. Not only do you get a, a great young defensive coordinator, but you take – a great defensive coordinator from UCLA. And then uh, talking about the um, Holiday Bowl coming to San Diego. They're excited about it. Caleb Williams will not be a part of the uh, team, but I, I think we'll find out fairly soon his plans of going pro. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe. Stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream.
dream I'm heartless in court cases, keep them guessing Plea bargain ain't an option now, so I'm stressing Cost me more to be free than a life in the bin Making money over cuss words, writing again Learn how to think ahead, so I fight with my pen Late night down sunset, like in the sin What's the worst they could do to a player? Got me lost in hell to live and die in LA Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.